I just love the way a good reading of scripture already allows us to hear the first sermon, <laughs> and it was a good one. Let's pray together. Ah, uh, dear God, we have a big problem. In order to seek first and to participate in your kingdom, first of all, we have to be able to see it, to contemplate it, to visualize it, its breadth and depth and lavishness. So we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit this morning. Open our eyes, open our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the Gospels, our Lord Jesus comes preaching a very, very simple but challenging message. Repent, he says, turn your lives around, reorient them, and enter and receive the kingdom of God. Jesus invites all of us to make a big migration out of the kingdoms of this world of constant counting and comparing, earning and being worthy and good enough and to migrate into his lavish and abundant kingdom of grace and mercy and forgiveness where everything Absolutely everything is a gift. A lay it on over the top gift. And what is the greatest gift of all? To be in loving relationship with God and to participate in the life of God in our world. And every generation is given the challenging task of contextualizing and contemporizing this alternate reality of the kingdom into our own contemporary language. Martin Luther King called it the beloved community. And others since then have called it the upside-down kingdom, the divine insurgency. I love that one. The world wide web of God, ultimate reality, and sometimes the kingdom of God, the kinship of God. Friends, how, what kind of language would you put it into in your own words. And in our gospel passage today, you have to know the context. Jesus is now on his way to Jerusalem with his disciples for the very last time. And dear Peter has just asked a question that shows that he has a whole lot of migrating from one kingdom into the other yet to do because he asks Jesus, Lord, we've given up absolutely everything to follow you. What will we now get? What's in it 
for me. And here our dear friend Peter, don't you love the guy? <laughs> he represents all of us insiders, religious insiders in the church who so easily lose our way. Who come to regard God's lavish gifts now as our fair wages, our just desserts, what we deserve and merit and rightly have coming our way. We earned it. And so Jesus tells Peter and he tells us, this scandalous, and let's admit it, offensive parable about God's upside-down, topsy-turvy kingdom. And this one is not meant for the crowds. It's meant for his longtime followers, for folks like us. And he knows that first we need to be able to see this alternate reality before we ever have a prayer of being able to participate in it. And so he tells a story. There's a landowner, Jesus says, who goes out to hire workers in his, for his vineyard. And the interesting thing about this guy is he keeps on, we never hear about his grapes. He just keeps on going back to the marketplace, back, 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 back to find more and more workers. Five times in the early morning, at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3, 3 p.m., and 5 o'clock. And the last crew that he hires, please notice in verse 7, includes those that everyone else has ignored and excluded and forgotten. And the great drama of our story now begins at pay time. The owner tells his manager to pay all his workers, beginning with the five o'clockers. Each of the five, the five, five o'clockers, or each of the five o'clockers, we don't know if there's five, is given one silver denarius coin. It's a wonderful wage for one hour. And those who arrived earlier are now doing some quick math in their heads and figure that they're all in for a huge windfall. But then when the manager presses only the same silver coin into their hands as well, they are completely shocked and dismayed. Their fair wage now seems like highway robbery. And they fly into a rage against the owner and they say, how dare you make those five o'clockers equal, equal to us? To which the owner replies, can I do what I choose to do with what belongs to me? Are you offended by my generosity? 
Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are. You know, 30 years ago when I was meandering and making my way slowly back to the church, I loved this story. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I knew I was a five o'clocker, and I knew that if God's grace was fair or based on merit, I never would have received it. But over time, 30 years, and those of you who have been in the church for a while, you know this. It's easy to start feeling like we're the three o'clockers. And then a few years later, we start feeling like we're the nooners. And then the nine o'clockers. And then pretty soon Todd Friesen is feeling like he's one of the early morning nerds. Amen? <laughs> it's so easy to celebrate the wideness of God's mercy when we're on the receiving end of it. But that mercy sure starts feeling scandalous and offensive when it starts feeling overly wide when God extends it to other undeserving people as well. And friends, in scripture, it's an old, old, old story. Just ask Jonah. I love that story so much. And you read it really wonderfully. Jonah resents God's lavish mercy to the Ninevites after they cry out, just like he had just cried out from the belly of a whale. Or just ask the older brother of the prodigal son. Remember him? The guy who refuses to take part in his father's party? Who refuses to enter his father's house of love because he is so offended by his father's generosity? He clearly serves his father for wages instead of out of a sense of loving relationship. And so as time passes, it's so easy to forget that in God's eyes, we are all beloved five o'clockers. Before the cross of Jesus, we all stand on level ground. Our place in God's vineyard, in God's great house of love, is sheer, sheer gift. And sometimes God's great generosity has a way of exposing the poverty of our own hearts, has a way of showing us that we still have a whole lot of inner work to do, 
in our lifelong migration out of the kingdoms of this world into the abundant kingdom of grace and mercy of God. This story makes me think of our community's experience right now of mourning the loss and death of our sister Patricia last Thursday morning at the age of 85. And Danette and I were talking about Patricia last night and just observing in some ways it feels like we've been mourning her loss for a long time because we haven't been able to see her. She was confined to her home for physical reasons for several years. But I'm so grateful that her faithful friends, Ernie and Lois Hess, were able to visit her just three days before she passed on to God. For those of you who don't know Patricia, let me tell you that she was spunky, tender, tempestuous, and kind, all rolled into one. And I hope someday when I pass on that you're equally honest about me. We're all something rolled into one, aren't we? She called herself our Roman Mennonite, and sometimes our Mennonite Catholic, and she brought much light and laughter to our sometimes over serious, overly serious community and our overly serious lead pastor. I laughed a whole lot with Patricia. Cracked up, side-splitting laughter. And in my conversations with Patricia over the years at Alice's Diner and over at McDonald's near McCaskey, that was her favorite place in the city, we often talked about her struggle to migrate over from the tough Philadelphia ways. The Philly way is what we was our shorthand. The Philadelphia way of her upbringing, for her to migrate out of that world and toward the Jesus way of her later years. And she often told me how her friend and mentor Nancy Martin was a very crucial role model for her. More than once, I saw Patricia's heart literally soften about a difficult situation when she would ask herself, do you know what she would ask herself? What would Nancy do? What would Nancy do? Closely connected to what would Jesus do? And Patricia always <laughs> seemed to know. And so I will greatly miss Patricia's gruff and loving presence in our neighborhood. Tottering down East Chestnut Street, you know what I'm talking about, with a newspaper under her arm. 
with all the time on earth for her neighbors. Laughing out loud about her own jokes, usually right before the punchline. That was both funny and annoying. <laughs> Come on, get to the punchline. Nobody's laughing but you. And doing her best to live her life in the way of Jesus, of Nancy Martin, of Lois Hess, and her many other friends here. So dear friends, our Lord Jesus invites us all to make this great migration out of the kingdoms of this world of constant counting and comparing and earning and being good enough into God's lavish kingdom of abundance, grace, and mercy where everything, absolutely everything is a gift. And in God's kingdom, the more grace, grace we receive, the more we have to share. The more we need, the more we're given. Until we're all completely caught up in God's great cosmic cycle of grace and mercy. All of us five o'clockers sharing and participating in the beautiful life of God. Amen. <laughs>